0: This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today, I would like to talk about Kansas City jazz. Kansas City is in the Midwest part of the country. It's actually in the center of the country, and it has a very interesting history um, was founded about eighteen thirty on the Missouri River and it quickly became a very a center of, of commerce up the Missouri River and through you know the railroads and of course as a major center for the cattle industry and it developed its own unique style of music. In the late nineteenth century Kansas City was a center of cultural and economic activity Next to Chicago, probably one of the most important cities in the Midwest. Ragtime music really comes out of the Midwest, uh, especially when you talk about the music of Scott Joplin and Sedalia, Missouri, and other important ragtime composers. There's also a very strong concert band, military band tradition. Let's listen to Arthur Pryor's band from around the turn of the century, which would be a kind of music you would have heard um, on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening in the park in Kansas City. This is what they would have heard. That was typical concert band fare from the turn of the century. Very popular in the Midwest and very popular in Kansas City. Let's get back to ragtime music. Scott Joplin settled in Sedalia, which is outside of St. Louis, on the other side of the state. But Kansas City had their own brand of ragtime with some very important and influential ragtime composers. Probably the most famous was James Scott. And he also went on to become a very important band leader in his own right in the first half of the 20th century. This is James Scott playing one of his most famous rags called the Frog's Legs Rag. Probably about 1910-ish. Now, you day Bowman was a very famous uh, Kansas City pianist and composer. People don't recognize that name today, but he wrote one of the most famous ragtime pieces of all time. It was called the 12th Street Rag. In fact, that was the piece that we opened the show with. Of course, that was a modern version played by the great tenor saxophonist Sonny Stitt playing an old Kansas City standard entitled the 12th Street Rag. And this is a version by one of the great uh, stride pianists from the early 20th century. This is Willie the Lion Smith playing. Uday Bowman's 12th Street Rag. At the turn of the century, early 20th century, Kansas City is developing its own style of music. Very strong ragtime tradition, o- owing to those great pianists. Something else that's very interesting about the city is that it was run by uh, two political bosses. They were the um, Pendergrass brothers, I believe. There was Bill and then Tom, and they were incredibly corrupt Especially Tom, who was the boss of Kansas City from about 1910 till they finally put him in jail in 1939 for income tax evasion. But on the other side of that coin, Pendergast provided an environment that almost insulated the city from the Depression. He was very well-liked and was a great humanitarian. He was a crook. I mean, he was lining his own pockets. He was a gambler. He was turning a blind eye to organized crime. And, of course, this is during the era of Prohibition. So he was an amazing crook. But at the same time, the people loved him because if people were having trouble raising money or if it was a very bad winter, he would make sure that people had Oil for their their furnaces or coal for their stoves or no one was hungry so he was very well liked but an amazing crook very much like uh, Big Bill Thompson in Chicago at the early 20th century provided this environment that led these um, clubs to flourish where this kind of music was it was everywhere. Also, the African American section of, of Kansas City is is based around an area called 18th Street, 18th and Vine, and. Kansas City was unlike many other cities in terms of its black population. They, they had their own baseball team. They had the Kansas City Monarchs. They had their own hotels. The African-Americans at Kansas City were very proud. They would say, we make money in Kansas City and we keep it here. And so they didn't have to venture out in segregated Kansas City. It was very much different from the cities in the Deep South where they experienced Jim Crow in a very obvious and blatant way. Of course, it was there in Kansas City, but um, they were very, very successful people. And it provided this wonderful environment for um, entrepreneurs. So the the music scene in Kansas City, starting probably around 1915, is based around 18th Street. And if you go to visit Kansas City today, uh, much of that area has undergone this tremendous renovation. And they have the Negro League uh, Museum is there, a, Negro, a baseball league museum. And then there's a Charlie Park Museum. So they've done quite a bit to refurbish that. And it has kind of that flavor of the late 20s and 30s. When we talk about Kansas City jazz, of course, we're always talking about Count Basie, Lester Young, and the great saxophone tradition that comes to us. And, of course, you know, coming to fruition in the music of Charlie Parker, who was from Kansas City, Kansas. Um, But there were many other important musicians that predate the best-known Probably one of the first important bands to come out of Kansas City was a white band and it was the Coon Sanders. There was uh, Carlton Coon and a man by the name of Sanders formed this group and it was called the Nighthawks and it was incredibly successful starting in the early 1920s and then they moved to Chicago and to New York and back to Chicago but what they were able to do was they um, utilized radio which was a very new phenomenon in the early 20s and people all around the country heard the Coon Sanders band. In fact, the name Nighthawks comes from one of the radio hosts who was saying, if you've got to be up this late hour to listen to this band, you must be a Nighthawk. And they took that name and that became their MO. Kansas City also um, had a very strong blues tradition owing to um, the blues craze um, in the early 1920s. Mamie Smith, Trixie Smith, Bessie Smith, Ma Rainey all passed through the city. Even more important being that it was in the, in the agricultural belt of the country, the the corn and the wheat belt, African-American workers were well-versed in work songs and field hollers. So there's that tradition that you find also. And then, of course, with all kinds of music passing through the city. So there's a strong blues tradition. In fact, uh, Mamie Smith, when she passed through... Um Kansas City, about 1921, hired a very young tenor saxophonist by the name of Coleman Hawkins, and that began, you know, Coleman Hawkins' great career as um, also known as the father of the jazz tenor saxophone. Now, Kansas City has always been referred to as a saxophone city. Some of the greatest saxophone players have come out of, of Kansas City, or if they're not from Kansas City, there's a relationship that these musicians had in Kansas City, and that most of the bands passed through there. There were a lot of many work opportunities. Now, many of the Groups were not necessarily located in Kansas City, but again, Kansas City might have been their base of operation. They could be from Oklahoma City, Dallas, Tulsa, um, as far away in Des Moines, but Kansas City was the center of, of all the activities, and owing to Prendergast's, um, you know, his political machinations in the city, made it possible for all these nightclubs to have live music. Old timers will tell a story that you know there were it was club after club after club. It was it was even there was more activity there than even in New York City at the same time. And the city was so insulated from the depression because of Prendergrass that there was money and there were many opportunities there for musicians to perform in uh, vaudeville groups, minstrel groups, jazz groups, dance groups, and there were a number of beautifully equipped dance halls in kansas city so um there were places to play there was a market for it um each of the speakeasies had had live music and they knew that you know this is the kind of music that people wanted to hear it was the appropriate backdrop and that's really one of the reasons why jazz music in chicago was so potent is that all these clubs were run by gangsters and hoodlums and crooks and they all hired you know people playing the music that was popular and it would attract um, patrons into these places one of the first important saxophonists in modern music I was a relatively unknown man by the name of Lauren McMurray. Lauren was a uh, white saxophonist from the Kansas City area, but by the early 1920s had developed this amazing technique. He was really a wonderful saxophonist. He had great technique and wonderful sound. And he played, started on the C melody, but eventually moved over to the alto saxophonist. He was one of the first saxophone superstars, possibly on a level of, of Rudy Weedoft, who was um, another great saxophonist. But unfortunately, this fellow died really early. But he set the tone for the saxophone being one of the most important instruments in Kansas City music. Now, all the music we listened to so far is really the root system of Kansas City jazz. When we talk about Kansas City jazz, again, we're talking about a uh, style of music where the rhythm section plays an even four-four time signature, with the bass player playing a walking style, emphasizing beats two and four. That wouldn't come about until the 1931 or 32. We're still in the kind of the infancy of Kansas City jazz at this time. Let's close today's show with um, one of Kansas City's most famous bands and band leaders. Benny Moten, who started his orchestra in 1923, he was a pianist and a great businessman and had a, a very well respected band through the 20s and into the 1930s. And one of his early recordings is called the Cater Street Rag, ragtime music being very, very popular. Many of the streets in Kansas City had ragtime pieces named after them. It was the 11th Street, the 12th Street rag, the 13th Street rag, and the Cater Street rag. And this is Benny Moten's Kansas City Orchestra from 1925. This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the Voice of the Arts in Atlanta, Georgia.